is not to fear man, but to fear God. Honestly, uh, even in my case, I'd, I've never preached the fact that I do fear man plays a big role. Um, and that might be that won't you take very long to find out this is not what God, God has called me to do, which is fine. <laughs> so but how would we know unless I do it, right? And I wouldn't know either. But please, as I try to explain today or tr what I have on my heart, please bear with me as I try with my poor English to do it. I think it was last Sunday when Pastor John asked me, oh, David, what is actually the topic are you going to preach on? I told him it's going to be about the fear of man. So he said, oh, so you're preaching from Galatians. It was helpful for me. At least I knew I knew it was a, it was the right scripture I used for it. <laughs> so I know exactly from his question probably if he would like to address this thing very thing he would use probably the same passage. So, but before we go to Galatians, um, what I would like to do I would like to start with one statement which Paul gives us in Romans one sixteen. Just by the way, um, you can go now with me with, with, to Romans 1.16. It will be just a short statement. You don't have to. Afterwards, I will be almost sticking the whole day in Galatians. Okay? So you don't have, even if I, I'm going to state or give some more scriptural support to, my, to what I'm saying, you don't have to go there. You just stay in Galatians because I'm, my main focus will be on Galatians. But uh, the reason I'm starting with... Uh, Romans 1.16, you can go there, is Paul gives us here a statement, and I would try you to show that his statement is right. He says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. And so, as I said, my goal is today for you to show through Galatians that Paul did not lie. He was not ashamed of this, of this very gospel. And as we will read through Galatians, I want you to see two things here. Paul, how often Paul uses the word man and Christ. But not only the secondly, I want you to see also his passion for the truth and his passion for the Christ. You, you will see it. As, as I read through it, I, I hope you will see it. So, And I know that the main focus of the epistle of Paul is salvation by faith alone. But I would argue that he, as he's addressing, addressing the churches in Galatia, he's also emphasizing the fear of man. My goal today is to show you Paul's, that through Paul's life that he was not afraid of man. And my challenge is for you and for me that we wouldn't be either. If you think you don't struggle in this area, you will find out the Apostle Peter did. And I hope after I'm done with the sermon, you will acknowledge you do. So now let us Read together Galatians chapter 1 and 2. Uh, 
Paul, an apostle not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you, called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in, advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith, faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified, they glorified God because of me. Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and said before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had a run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. 
and from those who seem to be influential, what they wear makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seem to be influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked all the through, the, through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with, with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be just justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I, pro I prove myself to be a transgressor. For, for through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I, live, I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Before I go there, let us pray together again. Dear Lord, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for the gospel we have heard, because this is a power for our salvation. Be God saved through this gospel. Lord, I pray as we studying or going to be studying this word today, that we, we, we would be fo focused on your word and that this would be, change, uh, would be changing us, that we would see your power in your word. Please help us to do so. Amen. In order to understand better the recipients of this letter, it would be helpful not it would be helpful to, for us to go and have a short look at Acts 13:14. But as I said before, please don't go there. 
the why I'm mentioning uh, the letter, or the the Acts thirteen fourteen, because we find here the cities Derby, Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch and Pisidia. These were the cities of Galatia, and this is when when Paul writes a letter to Galatians. This is exactly these people who who he's ad addressing. And most of you, so this, uh, as I said before, I'm not going there now. Most of you who have read Acts would probably see a pattern. Paul and Barnabas, and later on it was Silas, they would always go into a new city. Mostly they would go in the synagogue. They would proclaim the gospel. And right away would, we would see the opposition of the Jews. It is, all, it is a pattern. You can, if you go through Acts, you will see it. My question is here, what do you think? Did Paul not know that this message would create a problem? Do you think he was surprised by the reaction of the Jews? This is my first question, and I shortened it here a little down. Actually, uh, when I saw what, that I'm getting uh, too long with my sermon, I had to shorten it. Actually, I would have explained a little bit more. But as I said, if you know, familiar with Acts, you would know. He, this, this is what Paul did. He would always go. He would proclaim the gospel. There was the opposition, but he, he didn't, it didn't stop him. He, what I'm trying to say, who from us would dare to go into a synagogue and, and preach Jesus as a Messiah? Paul was not afraid of men. He was thankful for the ministry God have, has given has, give to him. I will here just quote one short passage from Acts. You don't be, please don't go there to, to make this point a little bit more clear. But Jews came from Antioch. It's in Acts 14, 19, 22. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul, Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered, about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derby. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had met, had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Could you see it? They just stoned Paul, but he gets up and preaches in the next city. And on the following day, he goes right there where he got stoned. Now you can see under which circumstances Paul proclaims the gospel to the churches in Galatia. They were precious to him. His own blood was shed on behalf of them. Paul would experience it day by day that the Judaizers would go after him, stirring the crowds against him. We know what the Jews did to Jesus. They did exactly the same to Paul. As I said before, the reason I went a little bit into Acts is to show you that, life, that Paul's life is a, is a testimony for his strong faith and is a testimony that he was not ashamed of the gospel. Now we are going a little bit more into our text for today. First of all, Paul begins in Galatians. 
as he actually almost usually does, but one sentence he's including here, what he usually, if you look to the other epistles, you won't find this sentence. Verse 1, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God, and God the Father. Why does Paul want to emphasize that his apostleship is not from man, but from Jesus Christ? Later also, we read in verse 11 and 12, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me, by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And as we read on, we can see that Paul wants to make it very clear that his gospel came directly through Jesus Christ and that he did not receive it from those who were apostles before him. His purpose to emphasize it is to show the Galatians that the, his loyalty is only to Jesus Christ. Paul understood exactly what he was freed from. We know that Paul was a Pharisee and he thought that he could be saved through, through keeping the law. God saved him from this bondage. Now the Judaizers are trying to get, to get the Gentiles believers into exactly the same bondage that Paul was in. He wants to show them that if Jesus would have been pleased with the works of the law, he would not have revealed himself to, to Saul. At this time it was Saul. Paul says, And I was advancing in, advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. And they say, but God was not pleased with Paul. Paul wants to say, here is a point where I change sides. Here is where my loyalty changed. From this point, I was not, not focused on men anymore. We would, we would remember the words of Jesus Christ when he said in his Sermon on the Mount, beware of, your, of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. We know that Jesus had here the Pharisees and scribes in mind. I just read two passages, but there are actually way more. Jesus said that the Pharisees did everything in order to be seen. This is why Paul says, for Am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I hope you can see why Paul said, if I were still trying to please men. This word is important. He means that until Christ appeared to him, he did nothing but try to please men. This is what it means to be a Pharisee. Everything they do is to get praise and to be seen by others. The focus is man, it's not God. 
The Pharisees and the scribes wanted to earn their salvation by their works. Paul knew exactly how and what the Judaizers had in mind. They wanted to lead the Christians in Galatia away from Christ. Why? Paul said it very clear. Later, as we read on in chapter 417, Paul writes, They make much of you, but for no, for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. And also in chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, he goes on and says, It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And, and only in order that they may be not persecuted of the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. When Paul says that you make much of them, and you would remember in 4.17 and, 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 and 6, he said, so they may boast in your flesh. He wants to say, look what motivates them to do it. It's to get honor from man. This is their motivation. He goes on, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. They serve their own flesh. We serve Christ. Everything they do is to get praise and approval from man. Everything they do is to be seen. If Paul were still trying to please men, he would be not a servant of Christ. As we read on and from verse 11 to 24, Paul talks about his conversion, how he came to Christ. In verse 22 to 24, he says, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. He was fighting against Jesus Christ and against his church, and now he tries to build it up. His old friends are now his enemies, and the church he used to persecute now praises the Lord because of him. Paul wants it to make clear, as clear as he can that his leadership now is Jesus Christ, and he operates under his instructions. As we go and read in chapter 2, it's chapter 2, verse 3, Paul brings another argument, Titus. But even so chapter 2, verse 3, but even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who, who, slipped, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they may bring us into slavery to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. 
When Paul went to, to Jerusalem, he experienced exactly the same as the Christians in Galatia. The Judaizers, here mentioned as false brothers, would have said exactly the same as we read in Acts 15. We don't have to go there. I'll just quote a short passage from Acts 15. But some men come down from Judea and they're teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And we see here, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. If Paul feared man more than God, he would not have done so. Instead, he would try to find a compromise. He doesn't want to please man, but he wants to please God. Paul did not let them change the truth of the gospel. We read on in verse 6. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. With those, he meant John, Cephas, and James. As you hopefully know, when the Bible talks about Cephas, this, this is the Apostle Peter. So he meant the Apostle John, the Apostle Peter, and James, the brother of Jesus. They were esteemed in the church of Jerusalem, but, but Paul says, what they, were, what they were makes no difference to me. He did not go to Jerusalem to get his gospel confirmed by them, for he did not receive it from them. He, he received it from Jesus, Jesus their direct. Some may say this sounds harsh or arrogant, arrogant, but for Paul, the very truth is on the stake. The only way of salvation. Even they, if they proclaimed a different gospel, I would not regard them, and you shouldn't either. He already said in chapter 1, you would remember when we read it, but even if we or an, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Imagine, imagine an angel would come here and preach something, something contrary to the gospel. Should we believe him? No, he would just deceive us. We are slaves for Jesus. And our loyalty should be only to him. We read on in verses 11 to 16. But, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, and he was eating with the Gentiles, uh, he was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, remember it's Peter, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and are Gentile sinners, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus 
in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. We see that Peter did not act according to the gospel because he feared man. We can understand it better by reading Acts, Acts 10. We see there, if you read Acts 10, we would see that Peter was told by God to go into the house of Cornelius. He was a Gentile. This was not allowed for a Jew. God told Peter three times not to call something common that God has made clean. Only then Peter went with the three men and visited Cornelius. We see in Acts 11 the reaction of the Jews. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Probably most of you know how Peter defended himself in the end when he says, if then God gave the same gift to them, which means as Gentiles, as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? So Peter knew exactly that he did not act as a servant of Christ in this situation. But he feared, in this situation, he feared the circumcision party. We would ask maybe, why did Paul oppose Pose Peter in front of everyone because he was not afraid of men. Peter was an apostle before Paul was. He lived with the Jews for, th oh, sorry, he lived with Jesus for three years. He saw all the signs, the wonders Jesus did. Paul didn't. Here the question comes up what did Peter here exactly do? that made the Apostle Paul so mad. And maybe mad is not the right word, but you would understand what I mean. Peter indirectly, so not, I don't think it was on purpose, called Jesus a liar. Because God told Peter to go and eat with the Gentiles. Until the man from Judea came, he had no problem. He, eat with the, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when these men from, from Judea came, he knew that they would criticize him for being together with, with the Gentiles. So Peter and Barnabas were not, not aware that by their actions they called Jesus a liar. This is why Paul goes on with, with his writing in Galatians 2, 17, 18. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. They thought they could avoid a big scene and the problem. For the sake of peace, they tried to compromise. How often does this happen to us? That for the sake of peace, we will avoid doing something that God has called us to do. By their actions, they also nullified the grace of God. You have to understand, by withdrawing company from the Gentiles, they implied that you need the law in order to be saved. But if we are justified by the law, Christ died for nothing. When we fear man more than God, we nullify the grace of God. 
The fear of man is our enemy. It makes us compromise and ashamed of the gospel. When we proclaim the gospel, we automatically proclaim that we cannot save through the law. That means that we, when we talk with Muslims, Buddhists, Catholics, and people around us, we cannot say that we all believe in the same God. That is heresy and an, off an offense to the cross of Christ. There are people around us who still believe that we are saved through good works. If it is possible to be saved through good works, then Christ died for nothing. We remember when Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, my father, if it, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not, not as I will, but as you will. We know that the father loves his son, if there would be another way, God would have provided. But there wasn't. Jesus had to die. There's no other way to be reconciled to God. The gospel is a lot more than just believing that there's one God. God is holy and just. And there's only one way for, to flee from his wrath. Beloved, let us not be ashamed of this gospel. We have to be careful not to present a different gospel. Nowadays, there are tons of people who call themselves Christians, and they, and they would say there are many ways to be saved. They want to compromise. They want to compromise with other religions, saying that we all believe in the same God. I can tell you, they say it because, because they don't want to suffer for the sake of Christ. I have to admit here that I chose to talk about the fear of man is on purpose. My impression is that this, this is the reason why churches, which were maybe 20 or 30 years ago, where solid churches are not solid anymore. They changed their doctrine. They compromised. We see in Acts 24, when Paul stood before Felix, please don't go there, just listen carefully. We see in Acts 24, when Paul stood before Felix and his wife Drusilla in verse 25, he reasoned about the righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. And it says, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. Worry to us if you stop talking about righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment. I know that many churches do not preach about righteousness, about self-control, and about the coming judgment. Maybe they were righteousness, they would talk maybe about righteousness, but for sure not self-control, and for sure not the coming judgment. They don't because they fear men. They would rather please men than God. But I tell you, if we in this church stop preaching about these things, I would encourage you to leave this church and find one which does. 
but please let us know before you do it. We need to remember that we are slaves. So actually now I'm coming to my last point. And the question I'm trying to answer, how can we fight against the struggle of the fear of man? We need to remember that we are slaves for Jesus Christ and our loyalty should be only to him. It doesn't matter what people think about us. It matters what God does. It doesn't matter if people make fun of us. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if people hate us because of, the cro of, of Jesus Christ or of the cross. The cross of Jesus is the center of our gospel. In chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. The cross of Jesus was the center of the gospel for Paul. But it was also the center of his life. He only, want, he only wanted to please God. In chapter 2.19, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. What does Paul mean by that? In this context, it's about the religion of the Jews who tried to get to heaven through their good works. The law sets a standard so high that you are fooling yourself if you think you can earn your way into heaven. Rather, the law drove him to Christ. But he goes on to say in verse 19 and 20 that he didn't just die to the law, but he also died to himself. Can you see it? For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Being crucified with Jesus Christ means that he is now the owner of your life. Everyone who is born again belongs to Christ. As soon as we come to Jesus with the brokenness of our sins and we say to him, You are the Lord, please forgive me my sins. We see Jesus' perfection and the only way to be forgiven. We are convicted by our sins and ready to give our lives into the hand of Jesus. From now on, only one opinion counts, and this is God's. We are no longer an authority of our lives, but Jesus determines everything in our lives. Paul wants to say, that his will is dead, but the will of Jesus is alive. Our money isn't ours. The kids are trusted in our hands. Our car, our house, our everything that we belong, actually belongs to Christ. That is what it means to be crucified with him. Paul knew of God's reign in his life. You would ask, why do I emphasize it so strong? Because I think Paul does it. And I do think his understanding helped him not to fear man. God, God called, uh, calls us to do exactly the same. We died to the principles of this world in Christ, and our priorities and loyalty belongs to Christ. 
We read in 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said that his life here on earth is dictated by God. Whoever really believes in Jesus will gladly serve him. Paul was like a soldier. Every morning he would pray, Here I am, Lord. Send me. How about us? Can we see ourselves as, as those kinds of people? So those kind of people? Is this our prayer? Does our li life belong to Jesus Christ, the Son of God? who loved us and gave himself for us. Paul doesn't want to disappoint Jesus. He died for him. He isn't just aware of who Jesus is. He is also aware of what he has done for him. In verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. I'm not sure if he's still talking to Peter here at this point. If I go with the ESV, it doesn't look like, but I know if I go to, uh, according to my German translation, it looks like, like he's still talking to Peter. But it doesn't make a huge difference. Paul has for sure the actions of Peter, Barnabas, and the Jews in mind. Paul is saying, through their actions, they nullified the grace of God. At this moment, Peter forgot the truth that he died with Christ and no longer Peter lives, but Christ. That what, that what happened to Peter could, and I'm sure will happen to all of us. This is the reason I want to remind us that as Christians, we are crucified with Christ to this world. The world has a great effect on us. And by the world, I mean the people of this world. They want to conform us to their image and make us like them. They tell us we shouldn't offend people by telling them that there's only one, of salvation, one way of salvation. And you shouldn't preach righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment. To proclaim a different gospel than that what the Bible teaches is betrayal to Jesus Christ. The, the gospel is the word of the cross and whoever wants to add to Jesus' work or take away from it, they deny Christ. I know that for many people, one of the greatest fear is legalism. And I myself experienced that some, someone called me a legalist. It was a normal convers conversation on site. I'm, I asked the man if he is a Christian. And he said, yeah, I am. As we went on with our talk, and in his conversa conversation, he was mentioning his girlfriend. And later on, he also mentioned that he, uh, they live together. When I pointed it out to him that as a Christian, he cannot do it. I don't even say I mentioned the word sin. 
I'm just saying, I think I said you are representing Christ, uh, misrepresenting Christ as a Christian. He got mad at me. And he went to another colleague and told him that I am a legalist. I think he has a wrong understanding of what a legalist is. Um, in my understanding, a legalist is someone who tries to earn the salvation through good works. Or he would, let's say Judaizers did, they would try to, to do the, uh, the, keep the law in order to be saved. Even though this is a big problem nowadays, I would argue that a bigger problem is that we as Christians don't call sin, sin anymore. We don't confront people with their sin anymore. This is something to be ashamed of. After Paul said to the Romans that he is not ashamed of the gospel, he talks about the wrath of God, you would remember. The wrath of God is coming if you don't talk about sin, if you don't talk about the righteousness wrath of God and the, his righteousness, righteous anger, we nullify the grace of God. He died for our sins. What did Jesus cry on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, the world's sin was on his shoulders. We should never say that something is in sin what God clearly said it is. By his death on the cross, he saved us from eternal hell. We should remind each other of these truths. I hope you can see Paul, Paul was focused on Christ. This helped him not to fear man. I we ought to follow his example. It will help us not to fear man. Let us pray.